All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's uh, let's open our our little uh, Bible study, our little Sunday school, in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I come to you this morning, Lord, just to thank you once again for just allowing us to be here in your house, Lord, to just to open your Bible and maybe look at look at some words in your Bible, Lord, and ask you, as always, Lord, let these words be your words, not my words, Lord, and let the the ideas that we we hear, and Lord, that the, the verses that we read and the concepts that we learn, Lord, that, that that maybe we'll just be able to remember one of them, Lord, and it will mean something to us, Lord, and just just stick with us, Lord. And I ask you just to continue to be with us throughout this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. All right as we are still continuing through the New Testament, looking at people that follow Jesus, um, like I said, when you started it, when you start off thinking about people that follow Jesus, we always think of the apostles and you know, John the Baptist and, 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 and stuff such as that. But then when you actually look and start looking that all the people, there, there's many people that are named about, I mean, they're spoken about being followers, but we're just looking at the people that are, the Bible actually named. And it had a reason for keeping their names in here. It could have said a woman or a man, you know, of, of Houston or of Dallas, or but it didn't. It, it specifically, God put their names in here for a reason. It's because they did something that he wanted us to know about, and that's what we're looking at. And, and then we're going to continue down this road of looking at these people. And then one we're going, first one we're going to look at today is a lady named Dorcas. Dorcas, and they, her, she was also called Tabitha, uh, or Tabitha, something like that. We're going to call her Dorcas. So let's go to Acts, Acts chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 36 to 42, and there's a lot in here. And after we read it, we'll, we'll, we'll break this down a little bit. So Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> excuse me, verses 36 through 42. And the Bible says, <clears throat> Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is by interpretation called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. So here we are, we're looking at this lady named Tabitha. She's introduced to us right here. And in verse 37, And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping. And showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. Okay, so look, there's a lot we just read, but let's just break some of this down. So what we're looking at is we're looking at this lady named Dorcas, and, and she lived in Joppa, okay? She was also called Tabitha, and we've seen many people in the Bible that have two names, and usually it was a, a Jewish name and a Greek name, okay? Well, Dorcas, if you look it up in Greek, it means a gazelle, okay? And then if you look up uh, Tabitha, that was Aramaic, and it had the same meaning, 
So her names mean the same. Then the Bible talks about her, and it describes her as, as what? We saw in verse, in verse 1, it says, it describes her as a woman full of good works. Good works, okay? And we know that works doesn't save you. We already know that. You don't get saved through works. But if you are saved, you will have good works. So we see this woman was full of good works, not just a few good works. It said she was full of good works, okay? And, and she was known in Joppa, as we see right there, <clears throat> excuse me, full of good works and alms deeds which she did and and what it's talking about their alms deeds is is things she did it's charity charity work that she was doing for people uh charitable deeds she she was all about being charitable and and we know that's what she was known for okay she was known for for the love she had and her acts of love that she had on the poor of joppa and especially it talks about you know, it talks about there that, that she was known for providing clothes for the poor people of Joppa. So if she was here today, she would be known in Stafford, Texas, for being one that loves the homeless. And she's giving out clothes to them, okay? And we're going to see more about that in a little bit. But we also see that uh, she became ill and she died, okay? And the believers that were around her, other Christians that were around her, they heard that Peter was in a nearby town of, of Lydda. And what did they do? They already knew. If Think about it. During this time, Jesus has already completed his ministry. He's gone now. The disciples are out, and they're building the church. And what was the one thing they did? They did miracles. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. They cast out demons. Well, here they knew. They're like, oh, Peter's right there. Let's call him. Let's get him over here. So that's what they did. They sent two people over there, two men, it says, uh, and they desired him that he would um, not delay to come to them. So they went to Peter and said, come on, Dorcas is dead. Okay, that, that's a good testimony for her that people wanted Peter to come there, and people missed her, and, and, and people knew her. Okay, she wasn't just a, a random person. And, and when Peter arrived, we see that Dorcas's body was already laid out. It had already been cleaned and wrapped and ready. For, they were preparing for, for burial, and there was widows. It says there was widows... That were crying for her. And remember, we've talked about this earlier. Remember the seven men that were separated, that were called out of the church to, to care for the widows? Here's something else about widows, too. I think God's kind of serious about that, isn't he? So here they are. They're crying for Dorcas. And, and, and what did they do when they were crying? If we look in those verses, it says that, <clears throat> sorry, uh, in verse 39, it says, you know, uh, all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with him. So what did she do? She didn't just hand out clothes. She made clothes. Okay? This woman spent her time making clothes for widows and homeless and people that needed it. Okay? That's what she was known for. And what, what is that called? We'd say, man, that's a good person. No, that's good works. Okay? And she did that because Christ is in her heart. Okay, that's just evidence of her good works. So after Peter gets there and, and we see that he sends everybody out of the room, everybody out. So now he's alone with Dorcas, or at least for her with her body. And Peter got down on his knees and prayed. And that's very important. Think about it. How many people that just, you know, don't think about, you know, I just pray any way I want to. I'll pray while I'm listening to my music driving down the road. No, prayer is something serious. And Peter knew that, and he was there for a serious... He needed to talk to God for something serious right this moment, didn't he? And he got down on his knees, and he prayed. 
And then he turned to her and said, Tabitha, get up. He knows she's dead, but he knows God will heal her. That's faith, okay? So she opened her eyes and says she sat up. Okay, then what did he do? Peter helped her to her feet, and then he called her believers, all the believers that were there and all the widows, and he did what? He said, here's Dorcas. She's alive. She's alive. God healed her. That's just showing the power of our Lord, right? And, and this became, this miracle right here, it says it became known over all of Joppa. And let's look at that last verse right there, 42. And it says, and it was known throughout all Joppa. Okay? So they knew who this lady was. This town knew Dorcas. They knew of her good works. They knew of her making clothing for, for the people that needed it. When she died, this whole town knew it. Okay? And some were Christians. Some were not. But they knew it, and they knew this woman. She had a, a, a history. She had, she had fame, or not fame, she had a name within this community, okay? Not fame like an entertainer. She was famous because she was a Christian that was doing good works, and she cared about people because that's what God put in her. This was her gift, right? Well, it says that, it, that Peter showed up, and God healed her, and it says that, that it became throughout, known throughout all Joppa, and then what happened? Many believed in the Lord. Maybe there's a reason God let her die, right? He wanted to show his power and show his mercy and show his love all in one shot. And he did, and he did it so more people in that town would come to know him. Okay? And if we look at this, this was proof that our God is full of that glorious, understanding power. And, and Dorcas, bring, like I said, bring brought back to life. It was not because for her to be brought back to life. It was to show the people of Joppa exactly what happened, that the Lord was almighty God, and he was true, and he was the only God. Because remember, back, back then, as there is today probably, we have our God, and there's gods all over the place around him. All kind of little gods, right? Little G's. Well, he showed in this one miracle right here, those little G's couldn't bring her back to life, but he could. Okay, now this, this miracle was the reason that so many people became to believe in Jesus Christ in that city. Now, let's look at Galatians. This is, this is Galatians chapter 2, verse 10. <clears throat> Galatians 2, verse 10. And the Bible says, Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Okay, remember we talked about it. The church separated seven men to look, for, look out for the widows. Well, here we're talking about to look out for the poor. And Dorcas was an example of this, right? And, and she was an example of, as a Christian, how we're to meet the needs of those around us. And what did she do for the widows? And for the, the homeless or for whoever needed it, she made clothes. She made them. She didn't go buy them. She didn't go down to Walmart or, you know, I don't know, clothing stores. I would say wieners, but they're not around anymore. Um, Kohl's. She didn't do that. She made them. Okay? So she had to have, I would assume, some type of income to be buying cloth and making them. Or I don't know how she did it, but she did it out of the love of her heart that God put there. And this is what Christians should do today. You know, how often do we look out for widows or the homeless or 
You know, I know we may go to the soup kitchen on Thanksgiving, you know, and, and slop some slop on a plate. But do we ever just take the time when we see a homeless person? Do you ever walk over and just talk to them, see if they need a bottle of water? Maybe hand them a track, talk to them about God. Maybe they never heard God. Maybe you're that opportunity, okay? God had allowed Dorcas to die for a reason. Maybe he'll put a homeless person in your path for a reason. Okay, so think about that when you're out there. So let's look at somebody else. Let's look at a lady named Rhoda. And she's in Acts 12, verse 13. Acts 12, and verse 13. And the Bible said, And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel, a damsel is a young girl, okay? A damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. So a young girl came to the gate, to the door, to answer with Peter knocking on it, and her, she was named Rhoda. And that's this girl we're going to talk about. And this is, here we meet this young girl, um, and, and uh, like I said, she, she's named Rhoda. She goes to the gate to meet Peter, and her name means rose in Greek, a rose, okay? And she is only mentioned this one time in the Bible, one time. But this one time is very important, and we're going to learn about that. And she had a very important role as what? As just somebody who opened a door? No. She had a very important role as an example to Christians even today, and that's what we're going to look at. So during those days, think about it. The early church days, uh, the early church is emerging, but both Jews and Romans were hostile towards Christians. They were doing all they could to, to stomp this Christianity out, Okay. And, and, and because of this, early Christians had to meet in secret. They met in people's houses, okay? And they met there to do what? To worship and pray, okay? So let's look at Acts chapter 12, and look, let's look at uh, verse 12. It says, the Bible says, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying, praying. So what are we seeing here? Well, we're seeing that one of these houses in Jerusalem belonged to this lady Mary. She was the mother of Mark, right? And uh, certain traditions says that, that Mary, Mary, this house where they were at right now was the same house to where they celebrated the Last Supper with Christ, okay? And that's just a side note. But so they're in this house. And what are they doing? Christians have gathered together praying. And, and Rhoda, she was in this house. She was a young girl in this house. And, and she was, she, which was, like I said, one of the many places that the early church met. They met in different houses around here and there. And that night, that night, they were gathered together. And, and the Christians were gathered together in Mary's house. And they were praying. And we're going to see, what were they praying for? They were praying for Peter. They are praying for the guy that's at the door knocking. And we're going to see about that. So let's look at Acts chapter 12, and let's read 1 through 5. Let's back up a little bit. <clears throat> so chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And to vex means to harass, uh, to, to trouble. To vex certain of the church. Verse 2, And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. 
And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrains of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. For him. So what are we seeing here? Well, we're seeing that... that <clears throat> These people, they were praying without ceasing. The Bible said praying without ceasing. They were praying without ceasing for Peter because he had just been arrested and thrown in prison, okay, by Herod, okay? Herod hates, hates the Christians, and his plan was to bring him forth to the, before the people, and the Jews were happy with that. Yeah, kill him, kill him, but, but there's a, there's a uh, the days of unleavened bread are there, so they didn't do it right off, right? But their prayers... And you think about it. these people, here's Peter, he's in prison. Why would their prayers be without ceasing? Why would their prayers be fervent? Okay, because this is the same Herod that we just read about. He ordered James, the brother of John, killed by the sword. And guess who was next on his hit list? It was Peter. The only reason Peter didn't get whacked right then is because of that days of unleavened bread. He held off for a little bit. And they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying. And that's what we're seeing in this house of Mary. They're praying. They're praying for Peter because they know he's next. Okay? So let's look at, let's keep reading. Let's look at Acts, same chapter, and let's look at 6 through 10. 6 through 10. And the Bible says, And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Let's, hold on, stop for a second. So up there it says that he was, um, in verse 4, it says he was kept by four quadrains, um, of, of soldiers, and, and quadrane is, is a squad, okay? So he doesn't just have two soldiers with him. He has four squads of soldiers, okay? And these are Roman soldiers. These aren't pushovers. These are four hardened squads of Roman soldiers. So let's keep on. So uh, Peter was sleeping between two, bound with chains, and the keepers, and the keepers before the door kept the prison, and behold, the angel of the Lord came into him, to him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise, up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. So here's Peter. He's locked in prison behind locked doors. He's got four squads of Roman soldiers. He's sleeping between two of them. He's chained up, and an angel shows up. It gets bright. He says, Get up, Peter. And his chains fall off. So let's go on. Let's see what's happening. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. I don't know if I took the time to put my sandals on, but he did. And so he did, and saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. So he told him, Get up, get dressed. Okay? So why aren't all these soldiers waking up? Why aren't the two that's sitting right next to him waking up? Because God doesn't want it to happen that way. Okay? So that's what we're seeing. In verse 9, And he went out and followed him, <clears throat> excuse me, and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but he thought he saw a vision. So he's still in shock. He doesn't realize what's going on here, right? And then verse 10, When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. So now this angel woke him up, 
All the soldiers are still asleep. The chains fall off. All the doors open as they're going out. The first ward, the second ward, however many they had to go through. All down the hallways, nobody wakes up, not a prisoner, not a guard. They get to the last door, and it just opens on its own accord. I've been in jail a few times, not as an inmate, but I've never seen a door just open of its own accord. Somebody had to push a button or turn a key. So it opened of its own accord, and then when Peter and the angel got out in the street, the angel left. Why did all this happen? Because those people back in the house are still praying. And God answered that prayer. And it was on the very night that he was going to get killed. Okay, So God listened to this church meeting and this prayer that's going on constantly and fervently. And God answered it. And he miraculously delivered Peter from prison. That's what we looked at. The, 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 he sent an angel down there to lead Peter out. And he led him through the prison. Okay, He might have been amazed in there. Peter could have got lost. But that angel said, nah, just follow me. Put on your sandals. Let's go. And he opened every door all the way to the street, and Peter's free. Okay? Why did that happen? Because of prayer. Okay? So let's look at verses 11 and 12. And when Peter was come to himself, think about it, he just saw a miracle. He thought he was gone. He saw a miracle, and he's finally realizing, wow, this isn't a vision. Okay? So, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety, and this is just very important, listen to this, that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. Wow. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Okay, so once Peter was outside, he realized he wasn't dreaming. It was real. Okay, and he went to the house. Why did he go to that house? Because he's been there before probably. He knew he would get safety there, and he probably knew that Christians were going to be there. Okay, so he went to that house, and, and, and this was Mary's house, like I said, and he, like I said, he knew that Christians would be there gathering. That's why he went to this house. So let's look at 13 and 14. And, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. So here's Peter. He goes to this house. He's knocking on the door. This young girl, Rhoda, comes to the door to answer it, right? And she hears Peter's voice. So he's probably knocking, going, hey, let me in, guys. Come on, let me in. And it says instantly she knew his voice. So he's been there before because she knew him. She knew his voice, okay? And it's, you know, and this is because she's a Christian and she's probably worshipped with Peter before. He's been there. He's probably taught this group of Christians, right? And it's kind of funny. It says, yet she was so happy to hear his voice, she forgot to let him in. That's kind of funny. I'm sorry poor guy i just got out of prison let me in before they find me and she just runs away and leaves him out there so she went to do what though she didn't run away and hid she went to tell the others because this was who they were praying for she went to tell them all the people that the guy that we're praying for he's at the door okay he's saying she's going to tell them that god delivered peter from death he let him out of prison and she went to the bring of this news because what? It was a miracle. And it was an answered prayer, a prayer that they were praying for. So imagine today if Christians had such a faith 
in such a close walk with God that when we prayed, he answered our prayers while we're still praying. Think about that for just a moment, guys. That's what they did. They were praying constantly for one thing, and God answered. And what do we do? We spend 35 seconds praying and list as many people as we can keep in our mind, and then we're done? It's exactly what we do. What if we did this? Well, how would church be today? So let's look at chapter 12, and let's go to verse 15. Let's, let's see what happens here. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. So she's telling these people, It's Peter. It's Peter. And when she told them that it was Peter at the door, they didn't believe her, did they? They're praying constantly for Peter, but they don't believe what she just told them. What did they tell her? They thought she was crazy. They're like, you are mad. You're crazy as a hatter. No. And then she said, no, 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 no. I'm not crazy. It's Peter. He's at the door. Oh, by the way, I forgot to let him in. But he's at the door. He's knocking at the door. And then what do they say? They still didn't believe her. They said, ah, it's probably his angel. They still don't get it. They would rather believe in an angel or believe that she's mad than believe that their prayer was answered. Kind of like us, right? So even though they were praying for Peter to survive this execution, and they've been praying for this long, they still can't believe her. But that's what they're praying for. But they don't get it. And this seems to be, like I said, in today's church, think about it. All we have to do is take our problems to God in prayer. Right? That's what the Bible tells us to do. Take everything to prayer. Give everything to God. Yet, do we believe that? Do we believe we can take everything to him? Do we believe that he's a God that still answers prayers? Are we just, you know, is it just lip service for us? So let's keep going. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. Acts chapter 12, verse 16 and 17. But Peter continued knocking, poor guy. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. So when they finally believe him and somebody goes and opens the door, there's Peter, right? And they're all in an uproar because now they realize that their, their prayer has been answered. Okay, so they're in an uproar, and he goes, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So he tells them the whole story about how he's in prison and how he's chained up and how the guards are watching and holding him. And yet an angel appears to him and tells him, get your shoes on, get your cloak on, let's go, and gets him out of prison. He tells them this whole story. And, and it, it is concerning that the church was praying earnestly Yet, they didn't really believe their prayers would be answered, even when it happened. How many of us are like that today? How many of us pray, but we don't believe it's going to happen? How many people do we know that we're praying for their salvation, yet we're like, they are not ever going to get saved? How This is just like us today. And they forgot an important part of prayer, and that's to look for God's answer. Okay, We need to expect God's answer, because he will. Right, And here we see, we go back to Rhoda. Rhoda was the first one to know about Peter's deliverance 
and she carried the joyful message to the others inside, right? She didn't let their doubt stop her from sharing what she knew was true. Think about it. They, you're mad. No, I'm not. Yeah, it's an angel. No, it's not. She kept the faith, right? And, and God had, had done the impossible. He pulled Peter out of a prison where he was going to be executed the next day. And even in the face of their unbelief, she was still unrelenting in telling them the truth of God that Peter was at the door. Okay, another lesson for us. Christians today can learn from Rhoda as we share the news of what God accomplishes in our lives and those around us, right? We need to share that with everybody. And they may not believe us. They may tell us we're mad. And they may tell us we're seeing an angel. But we need to remain truthful and steadfast and joyful with what we know is true of God. It's exactly what she can teach us, okay? So let's go on. Let's go to Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, Now there were in the church that were at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So we see a list of guys here. We've talked about a few of them, but we're going to talk about two more that we haven't talked about yet. And we're talking about the, these two men that were followers of Jesus because they're in this group. They're, they're, they're at the church. That's what it says. They're in the church, right? And the two we're looking at is that guy named Manian and Simeon. That's also called Niger, okay? So what do we know about these two guys right here? Well, we'll see that they were in a group of men that were listed as prophets and teachers from the church of Antioch. Prophets and teachers. So these weren't just regular guys. This wasn't like the lawnmower and the janitor. They were prophets and teachers. So they had some knowledge, and they, they were Christians, okay? And they had to be some men of some great faith and dedication to Christ, right? Because think about it. During this time, the church is being persecuted, yet they're hanging in there in this church. They're hanging in enough to be called a prophet and a teacher, okay? And they got their name listed in the Bible for some reason because they were hanging in there, right? And they were part of this early church is what these two guys were. But let's look at them. Now, the Bible doesn't give us more, much more information about these two guys except that we can look at them, we can look at them separately and, and learn a few things about them. So we look at that guy, Manian. It says right there in, the, in, the, in that verse, it says... Um, Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Okay, we know who Saul was. So Manian was brought up with Saul. Saul was a great persecutor of the church till God put him on his face, right? Well, Manian, he was also brought up with Herod. Who was Herod? So Herod, this was the Herod that had John the Baptist killed. Okay, this was the same Herod that was in power during Jesus' trial and crucifixion. This is the guy that this other Manian grew up with. He knew him. They had some ties, right? So Manian grew up knowing this Herod. So you think maybe, you know, you think about people you grew up with. Maybe you have similar ideologies, right? He didn't, did he? He was a follower of Jesus Christ. Herod wasn't. Herod wanted to stomp the church flat, right? Well, this is the guy that he grew up with. And, and, but we see that Manian, his dedication to Christ was overcome by anything he had went through in life, anything that he had, he had 
spoke to with Herod if he grew up with him, you know? It didn't matter. Herod hated Christians, but something changed Manny. And we don't know, we don't know when he got saved, but we know he was saved because he's in the church and he's listed as a teacher and a prophet. Something there, right? So look at this other guy, Simeon, also called Niger. So in, in Greek, Niger is translated as black. And therefore, scholars have, have concluded that Simeon, who was called Niger, they think that he was an actual black man, as, as in race, okay, of African descent, okay? And he is, it says he is, he is presumed to be an African Gentile who was transplanted to Antioch and met with Jesus. So if this guy was, was from Africa, maybe he traveled. Maybe he was, I don't know what he did. We don't know. But somehow he got to Antioch. And somewhere either along the way or when he got to Antioch, somebody told him about Jesus Christ. Okay? And he had to believe it because now he's in the church. And he hasn't left this church. He's in this church serving. And also it says he is, what, a prophet and a teacher. So if he came from Africa, you know, it's not like back then they could hop a plane or, you know, get in their, you know, their Ford Bronco and drive there. He had to travel a long ways. So he traveled and maybe his family was back where he came from. We don't know. But we all we do know about this man is something happened to him. Somebody told him. Somebody witnessed him. He heard a preaching. Maybe he went to a tent revival. And he got changed, and he didn't leave that church. And he became a a teacher and a prophet. So let's look at another guy. His name is Sergius Paulus. And I don't know Greek, so it's maybe right, maybe wrong. But let's look at Acts chapter 13, and let's look at verses 2 and 3. Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So these are, if we, these are the, the guys in Antioch that we were just talking about, right? So we see that the Holy Ghost went to this church, and he told them, Okay, I need you to send me too. I want Saul and Barnabas, because they're going on a missionary journey. Okay, and what did this church do? They prayed, and they fasted, and they lay hands on these two guys, and they obeyed the Holy Ghost. They sent them out. Okay? So that's where we're going to meet this guy, Sergius Paulus. So let's look at chapter 13 still, and we're going to go to verses 6 and 7. And the Bible says, And when they had gone through the Isle of Pathos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bargesus. That's a whole story in itself right there. But let's continue. Which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. So what are we seeing here? There's a lot in those two verses, okay? The church sent out Barnabas and Saul to go do their their missionary journey, right? So here, here we look. We meet this guy, Sergius Paulus. And what was he? He was a government official. He was in power in that region, whatever that region was. Was it a county? Was it a whatever? He was in charge of that area. He was a a government official, okay? 
and, and he was in charge on the Isle of Pathos, and that's where Barnabas and Saul happened to go, right? That's where they were doing what? They were preaching. They were evangelizing, okay? And while they were out there spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, they came up on a guy named Bar-Jesus. It's funny, he Bar-Jesus, he's using Jesus' name, isn't he? Well, he does it very subtly, and if you learn, learn, we'll learn a lot about him. But what was Bar-Jesus? Who was he with? He was with Sergius Paulus. So somehow this sorcerer, he had, he had nuzzled his way up to the official in that county, didn't he? Okay? Why was he doing that? You think maybe he was trying to influence the government in that area? I think he was. But let's see. So Bar-Jesus is listed by name in the Bible. And that's what we're looking at. People that are listed by name. But he definitely did not follow Jesus, right? And what is he described as? He is described as a Jew who was a sorcerer and a false prophet. That's pretty bad. He's a Jew, so he doesn't believe that Christ is the Messiah, right? He's a sorcerer, so he's playing with witchcraft, and he's a false prophet. So he's got his own version of the gospel, okay? There's probably a few of those around today, I think. So Bar-Jesus, what is he, okay? Well, he's a pawn of Satan, I guarantee you. Satan is using him, okay? He's a pawn of Satan, and he's close to this government official for this area. And it, it sounds kind of like... Think about Satan today. Do you think he gets in, in close to uh, the politicians today and influences them? Look how they vote. Look at the laws we're having enacted now. Are those Christian laws? Are those moral laws? Or are they worldly? Are they more like Satan? You know? How about legalizing abortion? You think that was a thing that Satan liked? I bet he did. Okay? And that's what this guy was doing. Bar-Jesus was there influencing this official. Well, Sergius Paulus, how was he described? He was described as a prudent man. Didn't say a godly man. A prudent man. So he was probably good at his job, right? He was a good politician. And he, he heard about Barnabas and Saul, that they were around there preaching, and he called for them, right? Why did he call for these two guys? Because it says he wanted to hear the word of God. He didn't know God. But he wanted to hear this, this gospel. He wanted to hear this doctrine that was being preached. Okay. Now, I don't know, and it doesn't say whether he wanted to hear it because he was interested in Christ. Or did he want to hear it because it was something that's sweeping the land. And here's old Bar-Jesus saying, oh, those two Christians, those missionaries, they're going to destroy your land. They're going to spread that crazy gospel of Jesus and you're going to see everybody in your county go crazy. And they're not going to listen to you. Was he in his ear? You know, we always see the little cartoons of the Satan on the shoulder. Was he doing that? Don't know. But we know that he did call them. Whether, he, whether, whether uh, uh, Sergius Paulus called them to hear the word of God because he wanted to hear the word of God, or he wanted to judge them and see what they were teaching. Maybe he was just interested. And maybe he was going to have them locked up and thrown away or whatever. We don't know. But we see that's what happened. So let's look at um, same chapter. And let's look at verses 8 through 11. <clears throat> verses 8 through 11. And the, and the Bible says, But Emmaus, the sorcerer, that's Bar-Jesus, for so his name by interpretation withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So now we see what his agenda is, don't we? Then Saul who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. So let's stop right there. So what is old Bar-Jesus doing? He's trying to turn Sergius Paulus 
against God, against the Word of God. So I'm pretty sure Sergius Paulus probably called them because he was more interested in what they were teaching, not from a, I need to hear this gospel standpoint, but a, I'm a government official. I need to see what's coming into my county, right? So we see here. But Paul got there, and what did he do? It says he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he set his eyes on him. Okay, so let's read on. Verse 10, And said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist, a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Okay, so what are we seeing? We're seeing that, that this sorcerer, this pawn of Satan, is doing his best to keep the word of God away from Sergius Paulus. He really doesn't want that there, does he? Because he probably knows. Remember, he's a false prophet. He probably knows what that word of God can do. He doesn't want that there. And, and you think about it, like I said, you think about those in power today that are influenced by Satan. We can see that by their works, right? We can see that by the way they vote, the policies they enact, the things that they're for, that they stand for, okay? They're being, they're being influenced, right? And, and when Saul got there, what did he do? He instantly knew who this Bar-Jesus was. He knew he was a false prophet. So he went to see Sergius Paulus. He sees his little, little guy, Bar-Jesus, here, and he is filled with the Holy Ghost. Why did God fill Saul with the Holy Ghost at that moment? Because he probably needed power to fight this evil guy, right? He needed that Holy, Holy Spirit. He needed God's power to fight Bar-Jesus. Okay, not physically, but that's what God does to us. When he, we need him, he fills us. When we go to witness, he'll fill us. He'll fill us, right? And that's what he did. And, and then through the power of the Holy Ghost, what happened? Bar-Jesus was blinded. He said, yeah, you don't get to see no more. Bye-bye. He took him out. And why was that? That's so old Sergius Paulus could hear the word of God without being influenced by this Satanist, right? It's exactly what was happening here. So let's look at verse 12. Thir chapter 13, verse 12. Let's see what happens. Now that Satan's gone, his little henchman is gone, he's blinded and he's pulled away. Now the, the, uh, Saul and, and, and Barnabas can, can, can preach the word of God to Sergius Paulus. And let's see what happens. <clears throat> Acts chapter 13, verse 12. It says, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, he believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Wow. Being astonished at the doctrine, at the teachings. Okay? So we see here's Sergius Paulus. He's a government official. He's in power in this area. Right? He's got this guy, Bar-Jesus, here that's worked his way into his graces. And Bar-Jesus is, is a false prophet. He's playing with witchcraft, you know. And, and he's a pawn of Satan. He's, he's pushing Sergius Paulus. He's probably trying to influence him. He's trying to get him to get rid of the missionaries that are in this land now, right? Remember they came to the Isle of Pathos? He doesn't want them there. So he's trying to get rid of them, okay? But, but Sergius Paulus was there, and he witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit. He witnessed God blind this guy, right? And then he heard the word of God. He heard the preaching of his missionaries. And what happened? 
He believed. He believed. The Word of God won again, okay? And the rest of the time in power, we don't know, but he probably served as a Christian leader, you know? We don't know how much longer he's in power. We don't know what happened, but he believed, and it says he was astonished at the Word of God, okay? How many of us are astonished at the Word of God, or we just hear it every Sunday and every Wednesday and can't wait to get out of here, you know? But he was astonished. Imagine our world today if Christians had this kind of power. We could be filled with the Holy Spirit every time Satan shows up, right? And we can't do that if we don't believe. And we can't do that if we don't, just can't wait to get out of church. We can't do that if we don't pray, and we can't do that if we don't read our Bible, right? Okay. So that's, that's the guys we're going to look at today. And I hope you learned something from it. And let's, uh, let's pray real quick. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, just thank you for this, for this moment, just to open your word and to look at a few people, Lord, that, that Lord, were Christians and, and, they, and they followed you and they believed, Lord, and, and Lord, we, we just thank you for putting their names in here, Lord, and, and letting us have them for examples, Lord, and I ask you just to help us, Lord, with our lives, Lord, help us, help us follow these examples that you've given us, Lord, and I ask you to be with us the rest of this day, Lord, as, as we continue to, to meet together and to hear the word of God, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.